we are going to spend some time in the word today. All right. Come hell or high water. We gonna get in the word. <laughs> We're gonna get in the word, y'all. Okay, I'm sorry if I'm a little lit. This one wasn't supposed to happen. Everything shut down. We're running like an hour late. I apologize for the tardiness, y'all. Um, but we are all here together. Even if we spend a few moments today, we may not spend a lot of time, but the few moments that we spend together, I believe, are still going to be impactful for us as we navigate through this new week. And so if you are here, this is the Read and Rant. We come together to read the word. We're just reading through the scriptures. Uh, we're reading um, from, we've been reading from Genesis all the way to now Zechariah. We read through the New Testament and now we're reading through the Old Testament. And then once we get through the Old Testament, we'll read through the New Testament again. So we've been reading through the entire scriptures. And what we do in this time of reading is we call this the reading rant because I'm reading for a few and then I'm ranting for a few. Um, I have nothing prepared. This is off the cuff. This is just going where the spirit leads as we spend time together in the reading of the word. And the powerful thing is that we're doing this live with people from all over the world, from people from different time zones all over the world. And so that's exciting that we get to do this together. I've got my YouTube fam. I've got my Discord fam. I've got my TikTok fam. I've got my IG fam. All my fam are all here. So if you see my head swiveling around, it's because I got a whole bunch of screens to look at. Um, eventually we'll consolidate all this, but either way, we're just glad that we get to spend time together on all these platforms to read the word of God together. And so I want to encourage you right now to go ahead and turn your Bibles to Zechariah chapter five. And it, and I know we're not, we're afforded as much time as we usually are given, uh, given the fact that we're starting a little bit later than usual, but we want to spend a few moments just reading. Okay. I'm going to pray. And I want you to prayerfully ask three questions as you spend time reading. God, what are you revealing concerning yourself? Second one is God, what are you revealing concerning people? And the third question is God, what are you revealing concerning me? What are you revealing concerning me? Um, we just want to hear from God as we spend time in his word. Okay. I hear from God as we spend time in his word. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege that you've given us, Lord, to come together. Lord, I thank you, Lord, that you have uh, placed us, Lord, all together in this moment, Lord, to spend time through the means of technology, to spend time together in the reading of your word. So, Father, I pray that you bless this moment, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, as we read your scriptures, Lord God. May this time be blessed for us. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I get started, I want to encourage you as well to uh, to join our Discord community, because when all this stuff shuts down, the one thing that will be solid is Discord, okay? That'll be the one solid thing. And because we are starting late, and some folks who usually are on with us aren't on with us right now, I will make this available to you all on Patreon. I know usually I don't, I usually it's only available to patrons right away, but I'm going to make it available to everyone right away on Patreon. So for those of you who missed it, it'll be patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, and you'll catch it there on Patreon. Okay. Um, so go ahead and uh, turn your Bible to Zechariah chapter five. And by the way, if you're watching this and you notice like my eyes weird, I have an infection in my eyes, so you'll notice that it looks kind of weird. Um, hopefully it's not too distracting, but I don't know. It's uh, 
It's a weird thing going on with my eyes. So my apologies ahead of time, but we're going to keep on reading because that's what we're here to do. Okay. All right. It says this in chapter five. Then I turned and raised my eyes and saw there a flying scroll. And he said to me, what do you see? So I answered, I see a flying scroll. Its length is 20 cubits. It's width 10 cubits. Then he said to me, this is the curse that goes out over the face of the whole earth. Every thief shall be expelled according to his side of the scroll. Every perjurer shall be expelled according to that side of it. I will send out the curse, says the Lord of hosts. It shall enter the house of the thief and the house of the one who swears falsely by my name. It shall remain in the midst of his house and consume it with timber and stones. Then the angel of the Lord talked with me, came out and said to me, lift your eyes now and see what this is that goes forth. So I asked, what is it? And he said, it is a basket that is going forth. He also said, this is their resemblance throughout the earth. Here is a lead disc lifted up, and this is a woman sitting inside the basket. Then he said, this is wickedness. And he thrust her down into the basket and threw the lead cover over its mouth. Then I raised my eyes and looked, and there were two women coming with the wind in their wings. So they had wings like the wings of a stork, and they lifted up the basket between heaven and earth. So I said to the angel who talked with me, where are they carrying the basket? And he said to me to build a house for it in the land of Shinar. When it is ready, the basket will be set there on its base. Chapter six. Then I looked and raised my eyes and looked and behold, four chariots were coming from between two mountains and the mountains were mountains of bronze with the first chariot were red horses with the second chariot, black horses and with the third chariot, white horses and with the fourth chariot, dappled horses, strong steeds. Then I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, what are these, my Lord? And the angel answered and said to me, these are four spirits of heaven who go out from their station before the Lord of all the earth. The one with the black horses is going to the north country. The white are going after them and the dappled are going toward the south country. And the strong steeds went out eager to go that they might walk to and fro throughout the earth. He said, go forth. Sorry. He said, go walk to and fro throughout the earth. So they walked to and fro throughout the earth. And he said, so, and he called me and spoke to me saying, see those who go toward the North country have given rest to my spirit in the North country. Then the word of the Lord came to me saying, receive the gift from the captives of Heldai Tobijah and Jedediah, Jedediah, who have come from Babylon and go the same day and enter the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. Take silver and gold, make an elaborate crown and set it on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, from his place he shall branch out, and he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall, yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and he shall sit and rule on his throne. So he shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall 
be between them both. Now the elaborate crown shall be for memorial to the temple of the Lord of Chalam, Tobijah, Jediah, and Hen, the son of Zephaniah. Even those from afar shall come and build the temple of the Lord. Then you shall know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. This shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord. Chapter 7. Now in the fourth year of King Darius, it came to pass that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah on the fourth day of the ninth month, Chislev, when the people sent Sherezer and Regemelech and his men to the house of God to pray before the Lord and to ask the priests who were in the house of the Lord of hosts and the prophets, saying, Should I weep in the faith month and fast as I have done for so many years? Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Say to all the people of the land and to the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months during those seventy years, did you really fast for me? For me? When you eat and when you drink, did you eat and drink for yourselves? Did you not eat and drink for yourselves? Should you not have obeyed the words of the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities around it were inhabited and prosperous and the south and the lowland were inhabited. Then the word of the Lord came to Zechariah saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Execute true justice. Show mercy and compassion. Everyone to his brother. Do not oppress the widow or the fatherless, the alien or the poor. Let none of you plan evil in his heart against his brother. But they refused to heed, shrugged their shoulders and stopped their ears so that they could not hear. Yes, they made their hearts flint, refusing to hear the law and the words which the Lord of hosts had sent by his spirit through the former prophets. Thus great wrath came from the Lord of hosts before it happened, just that just as he proclaimed and that they would not hear. So they called out and I would not listen, says the Lord of hosts. But I scattered them with the whirlwind among all the nations which they had not known. Thus the land became desolate after them, so that no one passed through or returned, for they made the pleasant land desolate. The word of God. I'm going to refrain from continuing um, the reading, and that's in part because of the time that we started. I would have wanted to spend more time that's okay. At least we're here, right? At least we're spending some time. Um, I'm hearing that there's some technical difficulties. Let me make sure here, just to make sure that I know you guys are hearing me. Um, but apparently you guys aren't here. So maybe we're having technical issues again. Ugh, I apologize, guys. This is just one of those days. Um, hopefully you guys can flow over. I'm just going to go real quick and let my discord fam know. Okay. Miri sending links. Um, so if you guys can go ahead and connect on all the other platforms, I'm so sorry. I apologize ahead of time again, technical issues. So hang with me, fam, hang with me. All right. But I want to just say uh, ahead of time, how, um, how, edified I've been in this time together with you guys, reading the scriptures together with you guys, 
spending time just soaking in the scripture. Um, we have just been dipping ourselves every day, little by little, reading through the entire Old Testament, reading the history of the children of Israel. It's important that, that I emphasize this, that the reading that we're reading is for the children, is concerning the children of Israel. And I say that because sometimes we can get lost in all of this, reading this thing as if it was written to us. This does not actually apply to us, not in the way that many would say it does. This isn't a law that, that is applied to us. Like we, we can read through the Old Testament, but even reading through the Old Testament, these things that we're reading is concerning the history of a people, the children of Israel, and the covenant that they made with God. The way that I would encourage you to look at the Old Testament as you read it is to read it at, from the perspective of a spectator who's seeing what God is like through the encounter and the journey that God is having with these people, the children of Israel. We get to glean from the heart, the wisdom, the mind of God through the history of the children of Israel. And we get to see the revelation of God and his will through the children of Israel. The center of the story, at the center of the story is Israel. And I know we miss that sometimes because it's so easy for us to make this about us, right? It's so easy for us to take this and go, yeah, this is, this is what God is telling me to do. He's saying in this verse to do this. He's saying in that verse to do this. When what we're missing is that, no, this is not actually written directly to you. And yet there are revelations and principles that you can learn and glean from and receive through the Old Testament, through the history of the children of Israel. That's important. It's important because, again, a lot of quote unquote Christians will read this and they'll start using these as means by which we ought to live. And that's not really how we, we should read it. Okay, it's not how we're, we're supposed to see it. We're supposed to back out and read it and go, okay, this is the work that God is doing for humanity through the children of Israel. This is what God is doing in the history of mankind through the children of Israel. If you ever want to go back, watch the other Read and Rants, they're available on the Read and Rant podcast. Go listen to them because we've gone through the history. We've read through the history. I've recapped it over and over and over again. And you know, I'm always going to sound like a broken record because sometimes I need to remind you of that. I need to remind you that you need to see this from the right vantage point and from the right perspective. As we read through the history of the children of Israel, we read through the history of the children of Israel from the perspective of the prophets, from Ezekiel to Daniel to Hosea to Joel to Amos to Obadiah to Micah to Nahum to Habakkuk. And then we get to Zephaniah, and now we're in Zechariah. Of course, Zechariah now is close to the tail end of, um, of the uh, Persian, Babylonian, the northern captivity of Israel. Remember, the nations in the north 
from Babylon, sorry, from Assyria to Babylon to Persia had all taken Israel captive. And what the prophets are revealing here is that it's, re, it's a result of Israel's unfaithfulness to God. Remember, Israel made a covenant with God. Israel had a contract with God. Israel had another standard of living, another standard of being, another standard of doing. Israel did not operate under the rule of themselves or under the rule of a monarch or under the rule of an emperor or under the rule of an empire. Israel oper operated under the rule of God. This is fundamentally different under a rule, under a law that was given to them, inspired and given to them revealed to them at Mount Sinai to Moses. Y'all hear that? And so when we read it, we are so, we, 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 we soak ourselves in it and insert ourselves in it when it did not apply to us. This was a law that did not apply to us. It did not apply to a single person here. And I know there are folks who grew up in church and I know there's some jaded folk in here um, who, who, who listen to this. And I love to always remind people of this because it's always important. If there's anything I can do for you, for the agnostics, for the atheists, for the people who are here, there's anything I can do for you is to help reorient the way you think about whatever the Christian faith is, whether you believe in it or not. Because there are those of you, what you really believe is you believe in some some, some, I don't know, weird, uh, version of religion that uses the Bible just because they use the Bible. It doesn't make them Christian. I'll make sure you understand that just because the Bible is used doesn't mean that it's the church. And just because it says church on the, on the, on, on the, you know, on the, in the front of the building and just because it has a steeple and just because it has all that doesn't mean it's the church. And there's a lot of folks who your agnosticism or your atheism is not actually rooted in anything other than anti-ism. And what I mean by that is, is that your agnosticism, your atheism, your position and posture on whatever faith is, is actually a response. It's a pendulum swing in the other direction, a response to whatever it is that you encountered in whatever you thought church was. So you see the name priest, or you see the name pastor, or you grew up, people say, I grew up in a Catholic church, or I grew up in a Baptist church, or I grew up in a Presbyterian church. I grew up in this, and then you, or you grew up in one of those, I don't know, snake handling churches, <laughs> whatever it might be. You grew up in all of that. And then all of a sudden you realize this is all a farce. This is all a joke. This is all fake. And you are probably right. Please understand that when we're reading scripture and we're learning and we're studying and we're hearing and we're hearing what the scripture is saying concerning God understand that you have to deconstruct a lot of the stuff that you may have been raised to believe the church was or that church is or whatever it may be i <laughs> One of the things that I, I, I take privilege in, and I know church folks sometimes get really, really frustrated and, 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 and upset. Church folk don't like me sometimes because church folk don't like the, that the stuff that sometimes that they believe, I have to call it out and say, well, where is that script? How is that scriptural? How is that biblical? 
And so they'll give you little snippets of verses. I love when they go to the Old Testament. <laughs> I love when they go to the Old Testament because when they go there, they start reading stuff and they go, look, look what the Bible says for you to do. Fam, the Old Testament wasn't written to you. It wasn't written to any of y'all. Okay? Not written to a single person who's alive today. <laughs> but we can learn so much about who God is and what God has done and what he's accomplished. And we get to know the profound depth and breadth of the work, the implications of the work that Jesus does in the heart of mankind, in the history of humanity. And if we can really sit back and back ourselves away and say, okay, you know what? Let me deprogram and let me just go, okay, maybe the stuff that I grew up on, you know, maybe that wasn't it. Maybe what they told me was it isn't it. And maybe I need to back up and read it for what it actually says, right? Read what's actually there. <laughs> and, in, 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 and after reading what's actually there, glean the truth of who Jesus is and the work that Jesus has done. You can use this book, okay? You can use this book, preach from this book. You can call it and package it as Christian, and yet it's still not Christian. It's religion. It's religion. Which brings me to my point today. Because as we're reading the story of Israel, understand that Israel made a promise with God at Mount Sinai. The promise that Israel, remember the perspective that we're reading, the promise that Israel made with God is to follow his law, to be faithful to his law. This law that governed the way they lived, governed what they do, governed how they treat one another, governed how they rule. And even the kings in that time, even as we read through First and Second Kings, First and Second Chronicles, even the kings at that time, philosophically, were submitted under this law which is why they were held accountable by the prophets. Prophets, generally, they go to institutions and governments, okay? That, 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 uh, that Christian soothsayer that you like going to that wants to tell you about yourself, that you already know about yourself, that's, that, we, we love giving those people the term prophets, like somebody who can tell me my future and tell me, that's the prophet. That, that, is, that is not how the prophet was understood to be. To be a prophet was one who spoke the truth of God in the now, holding those who've committed to the law of God accountable. The prophets weren't popular and the prophets weren't showing up to churches. The prophets were actually showing up to governments and institutions and kingdoms. These prophets spoke on behalf of God concerning their law and the people. These prophets 
are here to address the institutions and the powers. Notice at this point, I don't know if anybody noticed, but as you're reading these prophets, are you seeing any prophets speaking specifically to a person or are they talking specifically to the grand narrative of what God is looking to accomplish? The prophet is helping the people understand what is transpiring in a realm that they do not see. The children of Israel have suffered. Um, the children, sorry, my, my brain just froze. The children of Israel had suffered captivity because of their disobedience and idolatry, because they didn't submit to the law. The kings who ought to submit, remember, this is like, like I said, the kings in Israel were not like the kings of other nations or the emperors of other nations. In other nations, the emperors submitted were submitted to nothing. They were considered God. The kings were considered God. They're the ones who determine what was true, what was not, what was right, what was wrong. They were the arbiters of justice. In Israel, there was a law that was above even the king. And the prophets held them accountable. It's funny that even now when we think about the governments and the institutions today, we don't realize that we're gleaning from Hebrew, from the Hebrew way of life. Most of the principles that hold all our institutions together are rooted in the Hebraic, Judaic, and Christian ideal. Because again, this speaks into the divine wisdom of God that goes beyond ours. This was cutting edge stuff. And yet when the kings disobeyed the law of God, and when the priests disobeyed the law of God, the priests who were to care for the flock, the prophets would speak concerning it. And that's what Zechariah is doing. That's what Amos is doing. That's what Haggai is doing. That's what all these guys are doing. And Zechariah is bringing something to light here. Remember, Israel. Zechariah is bringing something to light. Zechariah, in this, uh, in this section of the reading, as we've been reading it, Zechariah is having a series of visions, dreams that he's having at night. As he goes to sleep, he has these visions. And in chapter four, when we read it uh, last week, when we read chapter four, we saw the vision of the measuring line, then the vision of the high priest. And then we see the vision of the lampstand and the olive trees. Then we see a vision of a flying scroll. We see the vision of a woman in a basket. And then we see the vision of the four chariots. And again, this is just a recap. We don't have enough time to really break all this down. And then we see that he gets to chapter seven. And after these visions, he goes on a little break. He goes on a uh, an interlude of sorts. And in this interlude, he reveals to them uh, a primary thought. He reveals to them central to what has even driven the Lord to speak to him in these visions. Notice, while children has, have made, while the children of Israel have made a law with God, the children of Israel have been unsuccessful in following this covenant with God. The children of Israel have made a promise with God, but the children of Israel have not yet been capable, shown themselves capable of fulfilling their side of the deal. 
they made this covenant with God to follow his law and his precepts. And yet he's exposing here through these visions that Israel is not doing it. Israel goes into captivity, scattered all about the world. And now the remnant is going back as, Israel, as Jerusalem is being rebuilt. Zechariah sees Jerusalem being rebuilt. Joshua, the priest, teaching the people and reminding the people of the law. And then you have Zerubbabel, who's actually rebuilding the temple. And then he gives them this quick reminder. Now that they're being sent back to Israel to rebuild the city, to rebuild the temple, to rebuild the people. He says in chapter seven, in the fourth year of King Darius, it came to pass that the word of the Lord came to Zechariah. Notice, I, I think I've talked about this before. Again, this is just a quick side note before I get to my point. <clears throat> I don't know if you, you guys noticed this, that God first sent Joshua to teach them the law and the precepts. Then he sends Zerubbabel to build the temple. And then he's going to send <clears throat> Nehemiah to rebuild the wall. Of course, once the wall is built, then the city is established. So if you look at the order of things, to see the city established and restored, you have to first build up the people, then build the temple, and from there, build the city. So you say, well, what do you mean? You build up the people in the knowledge of who they are. This is what Joshua, remember, principles. Then you rebuild the temple where God now resides in all of it. And from there, rebuild the city because the foundation of the city is rooted in the temple and the people. <clears throat> you can rebuild a city with broken people. The city's still broken. You can have a beautiful city. Oh, city that has beautiful streets and beautiful buildings and Beautiful people. A city can be beautiful and still be broken. Some of the most beautiful cities that you see in the world, when you really look into it, you see that there are cracks in this beautiful veneer. It can be beautiful. You can see nice cars, beautiful people, beautiful shops. But then you see people who are depressed and broken. I think we got it backwards nowadays. We're looking to create the shell and the image, the mirage of comfort and beauty. But in the end, all we have is brokenness. We've got it backwards, fam. If we want a city restored, we need to see a people restored. And I think sometimes we've got it backwards even in our missions. It's good to feed. It's good to do all that stuff. But sometimes we like building the temple or building the city and establishing institutions 
before we build up the people. Some some people say, what do you mean by the temple? The temple is the church. So we have to build churches. No, because remember, this is Old Testament theology. (laughs) The scriptures already tell us that now we don't need to build temples because we are the temples that house the Holy Spirit. So as you build people up, you build up the temple of God. I'm sorry, I'm in full rant mode here. But this is a reminder for many of us who want to see a city restored. You cannot see a city restored without a people restored. You can't see a city restored without giving them the awareness and the knowledge of who they are. What Joshua is doing in this text is Joshua, as 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 we've been reading through the entire Old Testament, Joshua has been doing a work of teaching these people, not just the law of God and the covenant that they have with God, but the great privilege and the identity that they have with God. When people know who they are, they live as they are. The struggle that a lot of us have, family, because I I, I don't got the time today. (laughs) The struggle that a lot of us have is that we don't know who we are. We live in the ignorance of who we are. We allow people to, to tell us who we are. We, 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 we search for identity through things that don't even align with who we are. And then we get confused when things aren't working out the way that we intended them to because you weren't built that way. And so we lose ourselves in this because we're trying to fix things, but not fix the core of what is wrong. And the core of what is wrong is identity. Sin issues are identity issues. Injustice issues are identity issues. Israel does not know who they are. And they don't know that they've been covered under the banner of God. God is in the business of bringing restoration to Israel because God is establishing this holy city, this, this kingdom for which all these kingdoms will come and all people will flourish, but you have to know who you are. Zechariah is exposing all the injustice, reminding them that they're good at being religious, but they're not living out their identity. And while Joshua is doing a work, pay very, very close attention, family. While Joshua is, 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 is doing the work of teaching the people the law, Joshua is just the priest. But he says in chapter six, verse nine, if you would just go just a few verses before that, he says, the word of the Lord came to me, receive the gift from the captives from, from uh, Heldai and Tobijah and Jediah who have come from Babylon and go the same day and enter the house of Josiah, the son of Zephaniah. 
take silver and gold and make an elaborate crown and set it on the hand on the head of Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. So he's crowning now the priest. Remember, we have no king right now. First Kings has passed. Second Kings has passed. First Chronicles, Second Chronicles. The nation of Israel has been demolished. Captives scattered all over, all about the world. And now they're about to establish the land in Israel. And they say here, take the high priest, the one who teaches the people the law, reveals the identity of the people, the one who performs the sacrifice for the people, the one who mediates for the people to God and mediates for God to the people. Take Joshua and put a crown on his head. Foreshadow. Then speak to him, saying, Thus says the Lord of hosts, Behold, the man whose name is the branch, from his place he shall branch out, he shall build the temple of the Lord. Man, the one thing that sometimes uh, it's difficult for me, I can tell you that when I'm doing these, these readings and this time together, the one thing that's always challenging for me is because, when we, especially when we read the Old Testament, is we're we're reading this text, but we know if you read through the entire text and through the entire Bible, how all this ends. We know what this points to. When you're reading the Old Testament, you find yourself in a perpetual tension, stuck in the st- stuck in the tension of what Israel is aspiring towards, Israel's aspirations, what Israel anticipates to see. And yet what Israel is anticipating, we are now witnesses of. We get to be witnesses of what Israel anticipates. So I read this, I'm like, man, look at the tension they find themselves in. We know who the man whose name is Branch is. Israel is anticipating that he will build the temple of the Lord. We know who the temple is. This temple is not a physical temple that is seen or built with man's hands. But rather, as we've heard, this temple is built with living stones. This temple is now the people. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. So this Man, notice, who is the priest, will also be the king who is crowned, who will also be the temple builder (laughs) for whom the temple will now bear the glory of God. Yes, he shall build the temple of the Lord. He shall bear the glory and he shall sit on his throne and he shall be a priest on his throne and the council of peace shall be between them both. He tells them what they are to anticipate. There is a king to come who will rule. All the kings you've had before, they ain't the kings. 
but there's a king that will come that will rule. And this king will be the priest who will perform the sacrifice. And this priest will also be the builder who will rebuild the city and rebuild the temple. He will be priest, king. (laughs) He will be prophet. He will be builder. He's going to establish the people. He's going to restore humanity. He's going to bring everything right. He's pointing to this. So when we're reading this, we're seeing what Israel is waiting for. They're waiting for this priest, this messianic priest. They're waiting for this, 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 this one who will rebuild the temple. They don't know how he's going to rebuild it. They're thinking it's this temple. They're thinking it's this in this time and in this era. But the one thing that Israel has not yet seen is the revelation of God. Israel, which brings us to chapter seven now, with this promise now, we get to chapter seven, this word that came to Zechariah. He speaks and reminds them in chapter seven that it was their disobedience that brought them to captivity. Like it was their disobedience to the law that brought them to captivity. He says in verse four, then the word of the Lord of hosts came to me saying, say to all the people in the land and to the priests, when you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seven months during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me, when you eat and when you drink, did you not eat and drink for yourselves? Should you have not, should you not have obeyed the words of the Lord proclaimed through the former prophets when Jerusalem and the cities were around it were inhabited and prosperous around the south and the lowland were inhabited? And this is going to be my final thought. And then we're going to call it for today. Thanks for hanging with me. Thanks for dealing with my rant today. He says to him, oh, you thought if you obeyed this part of my law, then that would have been good enough. Oh, you thought that if you just fasted, then that that would have been good enough. Oh, you thought that if you just, if you just, you know, perform the rhythm of religion, that would have been good enough. You thought if you can just modify and comply your schedule and just insert a little religion into it, that, that, that that's that's good enough. You, you you thought that if you just if you just you know fast every now and then. Because that's what you know good religious people do, that's good enough. You thought, oh, if you just refrain from eating, that that that's 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 good enough. You oh, you thought that if you just go to church on Sunday, then that would be good enough. Oh, you thought if you just read that verse, that verse of the day on 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 
on on the Bible app that that's good enough. Oh, you thought that if you just kind of sneak in some church every now and then, that's good enough. You you thought if you just say your quick prayer in the morning, then that's good enough. If you just if you just snuck that in just real quick, slide that in real quick, then that's good enough. Oh, you thought if you just gave a little offering at the church, that's good enough. It, oh, oh, you, oh, you, you thought if you just, you know, served every now and then, that that that's 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 good enough. You you thought that if you just fasted, what does he say to him? He says to him. When you ate and drank, didn't you do that for yourself? When you, when you lived the other part of your life, didn't you just do that for yourself? When you were not fasting and eating, didn't you do that for yourself? The other hour of your day, weren't you just doing that for yourself? So if you were eating for yourself, what were you fasting for? I'm saying all this in love, family. You thought that if you fasted, that was enough. God's not asking you to slide him into your important life and your important schedule. God's not asking you to, you know, insert them in whenever it's convenient to you. Did y'all hear me? God's not asking you to insert them in when it's convenient. I mean, you know, when I got time, then I'll go to church. If I can slide a little bit of time, then I can, you know, uh, get some Bible study in. If I just, you know, and, you know, if I've got the time and if I've got the money, you know, if I got a little extra money sitting on the side, then I'll, you know, I'll slide a little money over and, 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 and help God's mission. If I, you know, whatever I got, I'm just going to give the leftover. God's like, I don't want your leftovers. Even when you fast, you could fast, but what does that matter to me? What were you eating for? He said, weren't you eating for yourself? That's what God is saying. He said, weren't you eating for yourself? If you were eating for yourself, then what's the point of fasting? God is literally saying that even when you ate, you shouldn't have ate it for yourself. That all of your life ought to be in submission to me. And I know this is going to sound tough. And I know, you know, sometimes I'm going to give y'all tough love because I love you guys. I love you guys. I love, I love all y'all. And sometimes it's going to sound a little rough. And sometimes it's going to sound a little tough. Reading red can be tough sometimes. I know that it's going to be tough sometimes, but here's the reality is that Israel, and this is what we can learn from Israel and we can learn about God. God doesn't want our leftovers. God doesn't want our leftover time. He doesn't want our leftover money. 
He doesn't want our, our leftover relationships. He doesn't want our leftover heart. And yet that's what we do sometimes. We give God our leftovers. If I got a little extra money sitting on the side that I'm not doing anything with, then I'll give some of that to God. If if I got a little leftover time, you know, a little extra time after my Netflix, after my dating, after work, after everything else, if I got a little extra time, maybe I'll slide a little bit of Bible reading and maybe I'll slide a little prayer in. God don't want your leftovers. He wants all of you. All of you, in all things you do, do it for the glory of God. But we compartmentalize him. It's almost like we separate what we do from God and what we do for ourselves. And I know this is a challenge, fam, and it took me a while to get here, but I'm here and we're all here. We've arrived here. And I'm all, I'm saying this in love. The question is, is, are the, is there a moment in your time when you're not doing something for God? Is there a moment in a time when you're not doing something for his glory? Like, is there a moment where you go, oh, this is in God's work right now. This is just me doing what I need to do for me. Because if there is, God is saying, then don't give me the leftover. Don't give me the remnant of your life. Don't give me the part that you don't care about. But that's what we do, fam. People, there are people who say on the regular, I know I'm challenging, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to close this because... This is, this is going to be true. I'm not separating myself from this. Okay. We are all, we've all, we all, we all have fallen into this. This is not about, this is not for me to shame you or to guilt you or any of that. This is really about you assessing your heart and to ask yourself, like, is God really the most important thing in my life? Like, is my relationship with God, like, do I include him in everything? Do, do I include God in my marriage? Like, is he central or do I still try to insert my agenda? Like, or do I, I, I mean, I'm even assessing myself, even as I'm listening to this, like, hold on a second. Do I watch more Netflix than I do spending time with him? And if I'm watching Netflix, am I still spending time with him? This isn't, I think sometimes we think like God is something, some, some guy we put in a box. He's like a genie or something that we just kind of go in, we open the box and then we kind of, you know, I think that's how we think of God. Like we think of God as like, you know, we, we put God in this box, right? We think of God as like somebody who we, you know, we pull out and we open it up. We do our shuka shuka, our God thing. And then after that, we close it and then we put it away and then we go about our day. I think we treat God like a genie or request line, but like, do we actually have a relationship with him? Like, do we include him in everything, in everything? Is God a part of your morning? Is God a part of your day? Is he with you at work? Are you depending on him on a regular basis? Are you saying, Lord, I need you right now. 
I need you to help me with this decision. Have you, are you involving God in every part of your decision? Are you involving him in every part of your marriage? Does God sit with you when you're watching Netflix? Like, are you acknowledging that he's present with you? He's a part of your life or have you compartmentalized them? I want you to understand what God is saying here. I'm sorry if I, I'm just going to sit on that for a moment. He said, what's the point of fasting? When you ate, you didn't do it for me. <laughs> like When you were eating, you didn't do it for me. I don't want compartmentalized obedience, halfway obedience. I want your heart. Like I, I, I want to know that you involve me in all things. I want to know that you're submitted to me in all things. Your job, your business, your marriage, your kids, your money, all of it is submitted to me. This is not about... This goes way beyond church. And this is not something, this is not the guilt people go, oh my gosh, pastor's right. I haven't tithed in a while. Let me go tithe. Your tithe doesn't matter. If the money you have right now that you spend, you don't have him in mind. Oh, okay. So I need to spend more time doing it. Your outreach doesn't matter. If the time that you have for the other things are just done just for you. Oh, I think it, you're not getting the point. It's your heart. It's your heart. God doesn't want you to just follow rules. God wants your heart. So today, let's give him our heart. Let's not give him our leftovers. That's going to be the name of the episode, Leftovers. Let's give him our heart. Lord Jesus, I thank you. Lord, even as we read this, Lord, we see the tension that Israel is in, what Israel is aspiring to see, what Israel is hoping for. And yet, then, yet even in that tension, Lord, Israel is still working some things out with their Yahweh, their God. <laughs> Father, with you, Father, they were challenged that while they followed certain rules, their heart was still not inclined towards you. Lord, I pray, Lord, that we would not be like Israel, but Lord, to know that you have fully accomplished all the things that Israel had had aspired to see all the things that Israel anticipated you accomplished it giving us freedom now not to follow rules but Lord to allow you to rule our heart so today Lord rule our heart rule every part of our heart Father don't allow us Lord to Lord, compartmentalize you today but Father teach us Lord Show us, Lord, all the places in our lives where, Lord, we prioritize ourselves over you. And I pray, Lord God, that we would allow you to come in. And Lord, that you would rule every part of our lives. And we say that in Jesus' name. Amen.
God bless you, family. Love you guys. Again, sorry we started late today. Um, we will, We're back on schedule, y'all. But yeah, we, we had some technical issues, but I'm glad we were able to do this, um, able to sneak it in. Um, and we'll figure it out. I know my Discord family, I know you guys couldn't hear anything as well. Sorry about that. My apologies. I don't know what's going on. I'll figure it out. Okay, we'll fix it all. So that way you guys are, are good to go. I want to, <clears throat> um, I'm going to try to go on the, the voice channel, um, Asia. I want to pray for some folks. Uh, just for a few, just for a, for a few moments on Discord. Um, so I'll go on there and then, um, and then we'll, 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 uh, we'll see you guys tomorrow. Okay. Join our Discord, discord.gg slash Opusfair. Join our Discord family. It's amazing. It's awesome. Have we hit 500? I think, I think we hit 500 this weekend. So I'm so glad we did that. Text me as well, 231-1848, 231-1848. And also join our YouTube, youtube.com slash at Opus Frere, slash at Opus Frere, okay? Join us there. Um, but Discord's where it's at. And also, if this ministry has been a blessing to you, okay, this ministry has been a blessing in any way, prayerfully consider becoming a patron. It's your support that makes all this possible. And we're trying to hit our goal before the end of the year. So please. Um, pray for us, pray for us and also support us. Okay. Um, um, it's patreon.com slash Isaac Frere, patreon.com slash Isaac Frere. Anyway, gotta run. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Love y'all fam. Peace out.